Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, good day, brothers and sisters. Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. And I believe when this podcast episode is dropped, we will be in a brand new year. The year of our Lord, 2023. Hallelujah. We made it through another one, brethren. Praise be to God. So, uh, I thought, since it is uh, the beginning of a new year, we were going to discuss a little bit about the new year. And uh, typically, you know, growing up and, you know, getting older, you know, one year comes, another year goes, and, you know, going through, you know, those transitions, uh, you develop things through the years and, you know, typically what arises at a, at a new year is, you know, the promise of a new year's resolution. Um, that's typically the big deal, you know, as one year closes and another year begins, it's sort of like a fresh start. And so we start making new year resolutions And typically along those lines, we, you know, make plans or have goals to lose weight, to get back into the gym, you know, eat better, uh, you know, uh, do better in our relationships and maybe seek the Lord more and, you know, cut certain things out of our life, add some things to our life. And, uh, and you know how it goes, brothers and sisters, you know, we mean well, uh, and, you know, we put together these goals, and then, you know, a couple weeks down the road, a month or two later, you know, our commitments start to wane, and before you know it, uh, you know, we're back where we began. And so I'm not a, a big fan, I guess, of New Year's resolutions. I, I try my best just to rock steady, you know, Um try to stay as consistent as I know uh, I can be or I should be. You know, obviously, we're still human. You know, we got feet of clay. A lot of times mean mean well and, you know, fail. And you know how that goes, brothers and sisters. But anyway, this is a new year. And so we're going to talk about it. And um, But before I do, I, I want to give uh, an announcement, a couple announcements. And they both uh, deal with the blessing of children. This is Psalm 127, 3 through 5. And I love this passage of Scripture. It did so much uh, to change my mind about the importance of marriage and family and children. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior so are the children of one's youth i'm a very strong proponent of youthful marriages that's right you gotta be strong you gotta be at full capacity to build a strong kingdom multi-generational vision and mission through the family And so happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Speaking of these children, these arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Well, the reason why I'm sharing that passage of scripture is right before Christmas, we got a blessed phone call from our son, Valiant Christian Thomas. What a name. Now his only deal is he has to live up to it, but he is pressing on, that is for sure. 
and he got married, you know, about a year ago uh, to his bride, Jaren. And so right before Christmas, they gave this, they gave me a phone call, you know, telling us, A, they're not going to be able to make it home for Christmas, but we got good news. Uh, the Lord has opened Jaren's womb again. And they have conceived their second child. Now, what makes this pretty incredible, uh, their first child, Benaniah, the lion slayer, uh, he's just four months year old. And yeah, four months. And I was like, I didn't know, you know, what to say. I just kind of just broke out in laughter and my, my goodness. The Lord shall do a quick work, and it's kind of marvelous in our eyes. And and uh, he, but he assured me, no, Jaron was complicit in this venture, and so they're they're excited. They they want children. Uh, they are very very blessed that God saw fit to open her womb to conceive another another child. And he, you know, he went on the explained to me, you know, dad, you, you kind of set the bar pretty high, you know, 13 children. And if you know anything about our family, the Thomas nation, we're, we're definitely a competitive bunch, uh, when it comes to sports games, um, really pretty much anything, you know what I mean? There's a strong, um, competitive nature, and so he said, you set the you know bar high, but I'm going for the record. You know, he goes, you know, I want to beat you, dad. And I'm like, well, bring it. Come on, bring it. And, uh, you know, and through that, you know, help advance the Lord's kingdom in the earth. So, you know, Kendra and I, we just received another just wonderful gift from the Lord, another arrow. Uh, in the Thomas nation. So we're rejoicing in that. But I also wanted to let you know, and this is way more serious, but it does concern a precious child. Um, I just got a phone call from a dear brother, Matt Brock. And um, apparently there was something happening with their youngest daughter, a bump on her neck. They looked at it, looked pretty serious. Uh, they took her to an ER or a doctor, and he examined it and said, listen, uh, this looks pretty serious. They tested her blood, and her blood was just, the numbers were just off the charts. And um, so he, you know, recommended immediately uh, take her to the hospital and so as they're rushing to the hospital, he gave me a phone call and said, Rust, uh, it doesn't look good. Uh, the initial diagnosis, and again, this is just initial. It's not conclusive, but the initial diagnosis is lymphoma cancer. And uh, because he knows what we have gone through along those lines, I think I was probably the first one he called and asked for our prayers. And, you know, my heart just went out to him and his family and because um, we've been down that road. But again, we don't know for sure that's the that's what she's struggling with. But they're on their way to the hospital. And um, I asked him, you know, do you want me to share, you know, with folks your prayer need? And he said, well, I haven't even told my family yet. And so he uh, contacted me probably about a half an hour, 45 minutes later and said, please, brother, would you share this need um, for our daughter and our family? And that's what I'm doing. The brother's name is Matt Brock. He's the uh, one of the assistant directors of Operation Save America. Uh, national, and uh, he's also the uh, state leader for Operation Save South Carolina. And so if you would, brothers and sisters, would you approach the throne of grace on the behalf of this dear brother and his precious family, his daughter? Um, again, uh, we don't know for sure if it's lymphoma, but we know one thing, there's nothing too difficult 
for the Lord. There's nothing impossible with God. So whether it's the worst case scenario or if it's something minor, you know, we bring our needs before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help. So uh, please keep uh, Brother Matt, his family, and this precious young daughter in your prayers. And we're going to trust God uh, that this child will live and not die. Uh, to declare the glorious works of her Lord in and through her life. And so with that, uh, these announcements, I want to begin this episode. This is about the new year. And I want to start uh, with a passage of scripture from Revelation 21.5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Now, brothers and sisters, there is something just about the word new that invokes a lot of meaning. And uh, one of them is when we think of new, we, we kind of think of value, like we tend to appreciate a new car or a new house. So when we say we've obtained something new, um, we, we tend to appreciate it a lot more because, you know, things rust, things wear out, you know, uh, things fall apart. And so, you know, when we get something new, we, we tend to be pretty excited about it. And uh, kind of lifts our spirits a little bit. And, um, but there's also new in the sense of wonder, uh, like learning something new. You know, maybe gaining more revelation and more knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And so when we receive something new, even on an intellectual basis... Uh, that tends to be beneficial to our growth and our maturity as human beings. Uh, and new can also kind of stir up springs of hope. New in the sense of a second chance or a fresh start. And I kind of touched that on that at the introduction of this episode. There's something about an old year that passes away and a new year emerges that just kind of gives you the sense that the slate is somewhat clean. Um, this is a new year. It's a new start. And even though our, our circumstances and situation may have not changed from the old year to the new year, there's just something about the passing of time uh, that gives us this kind of hope. Uh, you know, for our future. And so as the seasons change and as the yearly progression of time marches on, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. This, this is how the Lord, or why the Lord, configured the sun, moon, and stars of his universe because that is what measures time. And so the seasons come, the seasons go, right? Uh, a year begins, another year ends, and, and on and on and it goes. And so for most people, I, I do believe when it comes to the new year, there's this sort of expectation that springs forth. And the Bible does tell us like old things pass away, right? And all things become new. And so the whole concepts of old and new, uh, they're replete throughout scripture, history, and you could study literature amongst pretty much every tribe, nation, and tongue. You know, you're going to find these concepts of old and new, right? And so biblically, this is what Jesus said. He said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder 
who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And so here our Lord is, you know, basically saying there is value, there is worth biblically when it comes to the concept of new and old. And so as our Lord is ministering this truth, obviously uh, the concept of new and old serves a godly redemptive purpose in this life. And I do believe he's teaching us the value of both the Old and New Testament, the Old and New Covenant. And one of the things that I try to encourage uh, young and old alike, men, women, and children, uh, is to study the scriptures uh, to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's just, it's just vital for our health, our sanity, our wholeness in this crazy world that we know the entirety of Scripture, both the Old and New Testaments. There's something about knowing the whole counsel of God. It not only brings personal edification, but it does serve as a ministry unto others. And so this is a a worthy lifetime kingdom pursuit. You know, the treasures of God's word, right? That which is new, that which is old, uh, you know, pursuing uh, knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the scriptures. It's a huge benefit uh, to each individual person and the, the persons that are impacted by those who seek and understand the whole counsel of God. And of course, you know, we, we study history. You know, one of the things that I, I, I greatly encourage every young man uh, that I train uh, to be a leader, a time like this demands. I, I really challenge them. You have to be an in-house theologian and an in-house historian. You, you got to be steeped in the scriptures. Again, the whole counsel of God, but you have to understand history, his story, God's redemptive story through the eons of time and through his covenant people. So, but, but, but when we study history, we, we typically place that category uh, in the old column or something that is ancient, right? So we typically think of history, we think of something older, right? Yet when it comes to the modern era, we would view the modern era as something new. So historical, kind of old, modern era, new. But here's the problem, brothers and sisters. Far too many in this generation think that newer means better. You know, we have new t- technology, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, virtual reality. It does give us a sense that, hey, we have, we have greater intelligence, you know, uh, than, you know, those who have gone before us. You know, we're a far more advanced civilization. We've, we've accomplished so many great things. But a lot of it, when it comes to modern technology, like I said, like virtual reality, um, these traits of greater intelligence, advancement, you know, accomplishment, they're not actually taking place in reality. Now, it, it is happening in our mind, but it's not necessarily translating into reality. You know, it's like young people get hooked on, you know, the video games or, you know, social media, right? And this whole virtual reality, you know, they're going through the motions, right? And they're, they're, you know, beating different levels and stuff like that. And so, especially for young men, it sort of tricks the mind. Like, you know, I made it to the 32nd level, you know, in this video game. 
Yeah, but you're also 26 years old in your pajamas in your, your, your parents' basement and you've been at it for, you know, two days and you've, yes, you beat the 32nd level, but what have you accomplished in life? You know, get dressed, roll up your sleeves, become responsible, you know, develop a good work ethic, you know, literally like what in life did, yeah, so in your mind, you've, 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 you've made this great accomplishment, but did, but has that bettered your life? Uh, are, are you more able to take care of yourself and to take care of others? Or you, you just wasted, you know, two days of your life and uh, on a video game that does nothing to, to promote the actual welfare of your life. And so we, we have to consider, uh, brothers and sisters, this whole concept of new sort of modern era you know, that we're pretty high on, you know, and, but we got to think through some things like what, what has this progress done to actually diminish our brain capacity plus our physical prowess? I mean, study after study after study is showing we're, we're losing our brain power. We're, we're, we're losing our brawn physically. Um, it is estimated right now that most males in this generation have half the testosterone levels of their grandfathers. It, there's other studies that saying that men are like even physically losing their grip, uh, you know, on and on and on. These studies are coming in. And so, you know, on the surface, yeah, we look like we're smarter. We look like we're stronger. Uh, but what really uh, is happening here. It's it's like we've become so addicted to all these gadgets and machinery, and we're relying more on those things than our own wits and brawn. You know, and I, and I understand to a certain degree, you know, that working smarter is much better than working harder. But then the question is, who is actually smarter? The gadgets, the machinery, or us? Like, what would happen? I want you to think this through, brothers and sisters. What would happen to our lives if, God forbid, the grid ever went down or the internet was completely shut off? What would happen to your brain? What would happen to your mind? What would happen to your life if everything that we base our lives on right now was gone, it was shut down, like our, our, our cell phones taken away, uh, we didn't have access to calculators or, or as we're traveling, uh, the GPS uh, is no longer available, no longer working. Think what would happen to your life. What would happen to your mind? You know, so much of the skills of our parents and grandparents who had none of these things, you know, you know, how did they survive? How did they make it through with without this modern technology? And what happens if this modern technology just fails? I mean, I, I cringe to think about it. Most of us would have a difficult time surviving if the modern technology fails. In some way, I mean, like, honestly, you know, where would we be if we ask Alexa a question and Alexa's now longer there uh, just kind of give us the answers we need? I, I think you're, you know, hopefully you're getting the idea of what I'm trying to communicate to you. Now, there's no doubt there's been great good that has come with the advancement of technology, man is living longer than the predecessors, no doubt about that. Uh, I'm not sure about the quality of life is better, but definitely the quantity of life is better. But also, brothers and sisters, like everything else, just because it's something new, it doesn't mean it's better. There's also great danger. I mean, we're living in a time where 
the new technology is literally manipulating humanity to assimilate and become part of the modern machine. Like, we're relying more and more on the machine when it comes to our life. And so, what is the cost concerning our future? Like, what is the future looking like? It's like some weird Twilight Zone sci-fi flick, right? I mean, we're, they're assimilating the machine with humanity. And at, at what cost? I mean, we're literally looking like losing, like what it means to be fully human as in the olden times. Yeah, you remember those times where, yeah, we were, you know, a fallen race and and there's sin, there's, there's, there's death, there's eternity, you know, there's frailty, you know, but through it all, we were fully human. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a time right now with this modern technology that is in danger. Like they're literally trying to manipulate what it means to be human in the future. And it is very, very scary. And so brothers and sisters, again, I want to caution you. Just because something is newer, it doesn't mean it is better. Now, I want to change gears a little bit here when it comes to even in the concept of morality uh, in this generation and in this age. Now we have a huge battle over the use of pronouns. This was never an issue in, you know, gazillion, you know, thousands of years of human history. All of a sudden, we're raising a generation that thinks they have the market on the use of pronouns that because we're in this new era, you know, the old way that we used pronouns, uh, that's being rejected. And this generation believes that they can take pronouns and make it whatever they feel like it is. And so once again, newer, definitely not better. And so, the folly of this, this generation with the whole progressive movement, it's produced a generation that says, follow the science. I'm sure you heard, heard that with Fossey and all these traitors, these murderers, these perverts, you know, follow the science. And then at every turn, we see this generation violating science. To the point, our young are now completely debasing their minds with this fantasy world of pronouns and actually mutilating their bodies to establish a distorted worldview that must be acknowledged as reality or else one will be canceled. And so the old, no the old normal, guess what? It's abnormal. And the new abnormal, yep, it's now considered normal. So if you believe in the pronouns he, she, you're the one that has mental issues. You're the one that has an abnormal mind. And, you know, it's like we're in this camp, like with uh, Luke. Uh, uh, what was that movie with Paul Newman? Cool Hand Luke. If you remember in that movie, you know, he would not conform uh, to the system. And I could, there's that really famous scene where the warden says, Luke, we're going to have to get your mind right, Luke. Going to have to get your mind right. And brothers and sisters, that's us with this modern technology. And how they're using and abusing it. We got to get your mind right, Christian. Well, you know, that's on the moral level of kind of like what's old and what's new. Then we kind of look at the family. You know, I just gave you the, the news about two children, right? One that, you know, when we think of a, a newborn babe, we kind of rejoice, right? Why? Because 
It's the dawn of their life. There's so much potential, you know, in that baby's life. And so we rejoice. You know, Jesus even talked about it. You know, when a woman's in labor, she has sorrow. But once the child is born, great joy. Uh, because a, a new child's been born into this world, right? And so, you know, you think of the elderly and it's not necessarily that we rejoice because people are older, but we do sympathize, right? Why? Because we know they're at the twilight of their life. And when we think of us as Christians and our battle, right? You know, for the souls of men, the lives of children, the future of this world, and the battle that rages from the within, you know, the scripture tells us, you know, we wrestle against the old man, right? There's, there's this old sinful nature that we deal with and that the Bible tells us we need to mortify it. We need to put to death, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You can find that passage in 1 John 2.16. And yet at the same time, we glory in the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so, brothers and sisters, on and on it goes as we wrestle between what is old and what is new. But one thing for sure, 2022 is in the can. It's regulated to the past. And now, 2023 emerges with its annual anticipation of another new year. So praise be to God, you know, for, for those concepts of old and new. And again, I want you to consider uh, just because something is newer, it definitely doesn't mean it's better. It's like I tell my kids all the time, you know, it's not what you can do. It's what we're supposed to do. That's how we approach life. And just because we have technology, you know, that can accomplish all these different scientific breakthroughs, it doesn't mean we should do them. Because many times we cross moral and ethical boundaries that are destructive to humanity. So keep that in mind, brothers and sisters. Well, our last two podcasts, we covered uh, the glorious incarnation. And as I shared uh, about Christmas, it's become many things to many people. You know, we, if you follow Facebook at all, you'll find out people are adamantly, both Christian and pagan alike, they're adamantly against Christmas, you know, and, uh, and then you have, you know, Christians and pagans that are totally for it. They do truly believe it's the most wonderful time of the year. I happen to agree with that, by the way. Um, but the purpose that I did those podcasts was to discuss the birth of Christ biblically, especially how it relates to us as individuals and what it portends for the future of the world. Now, here's the deal, brothers and sisters. I didn't have time enough to cover how our family celebrates Christmas and what traditions, you know, we've developed as one year closes out and a new one begins. And so the following, uh, at, at the end of this episode here is I want to kind of share with you how our family approaches Christmas and as we uh, say goodbye to one year with the hopes of a new year. So I'm going to begin with our Christmas tree. And I know that's controversial too. People think if you put up a Christmas tree, you're some kind of pagan. You know, they quote Jeremiah, you know, and like, you know, like Christians put up Christmas tree and we're bowing to the tree and we're worshiping, you know, foreign gods and all kinds. Of, <laughs> I just, it just amazes me 
how they can look into our souls and, you know, find that, you know, uh, they just, you know, it's like an ornament, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's a tree. Uh, you know, we don't put any special spiritual significance to the tree. It's a Christmas tree, right? But for our family, it's really our family tree. And I, and I, and I, really want to encourage you along these lines. If you do celebrate Christmas, if you do put up a Christmas tree, and just kind of let you know how this like ministers to our family. Um, I have ornaments on our tree that we put up every year that date back to 1985. Uh, that's when the Thomas Nation actually began, was in 1985 and so each year we kind of add a new ornament that captures something special that took place like during the year so just for an for instance you know i we just got back from you know our northern ireland missionary trip and i visited saint patrick's cathedral and i found like an awesome Christmas ornament. Well, now that's going to be part of our family tree. It's just going to go up on the tree, right? And of course, we we have ornaments that remind us of our loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord. You know, I have an ornament that um, that we got from the funeral home concerning the passing of my first wife, Liz how she was going to celebrate Christmas with the Lord and not be with us. And, you know, Jeremiah, Charity, Robbie, you know, we, we put those ornaments on the tree. And, and I, I got to be honest with you that it, it does kind of produce a catharsis, you know, within our family. It's, it's sort of like this powerful walk down memory lane and, and sometimes, you know, trimming the tree, you know, I find myself laughing, you know, at a special fond memory, you know, just, you know, associating the ornament with something that happened, you know, with our family or ministry. And then, of course, sometimes it just, it brings you to tears, you know, as I remember those who have gone on before us. And so, you know, that's, that's how we approach the Christmas tree. It is really more our family tree. And if, if you like that idea, I would really encourage you um, to, to implement that. Because literally, when I'm doing the Christmas tree, I'm going for like 40 years of our life, our family, our ministry. And these are things that are good to remember. You know, how many times does God wants to put us in remembrance, right? Because we, we tend to forget. So um, that's kind of become our Ebenezer stone, our, our Christmas tree. And so the next thing I want to share with you is our Christmas Eve tradition. Now, when you say the word tradition, you know, flags go up. Well, not all tradition is evil. There are traditions of God in Scripture. You can find that in 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Now, I do believe tradition can become evil, especially when men's traditions make void the commandments of God. But family traditions, I don't put that in the category of evil. I, I think family traditions can sort of help create a certain rhythm in life where families are brought back together to celebrate the the things of life, such as faith, you know, family, friends, and fellowship. So in that regard, Christmas Eve is the night of nights for the Thomas family. It's even, we put more into Christmas Eve than we do actually the Christmas day. And so we start off Christmas Eve. We just did it. We... We, we, we got a huge feast put together with Texas barbecue and all its trimming. So we have this huge meal with our family and some friends. And afterwards, 
we do our first gift exchange exchange. So you have, you know, every family member uh, gives a gift to an assigned family member till everyone is blessed on Christmas Eve. Well, after the gift exchange, we turn off all the lights of the house except the Christmas tree. And it's there and then we just sing glorious hymns of worship to the Lord. Afterwards, uh, it's a time for our children and grandchildren. If they so desire, uh, we encourage them to prepare a birthday present for our Savior. Now, through the years, our kids and grandkids have come up with poems, skits, dances, or songs they even made up. But it's all for the glory of God in the highest. After that, we shut off all the lights again. We light up candles and we strategically place them throughout the living room. And I have all the children, all the grandchildren gather around as I read the biblical narratives that highlight the birth of Christ. Then after that, we partake of Holy Communion. We partake of the Lord's Supper uh, to honor this new covenant that Christ instituted and bless and honor our covenant-keeping Lord. And then after all that is done, we go around the room and we encourage our family members to share just a little bit of the good, the bad, the ugly of the year, um, and then kind of what are their hopes? What are their goals for the new year? And so after everybody has a chance to kind of share their heart, maybe of some highlights, lowlights of the, the passing year, and then again, you know, what, what's your future hope, kids? And, you know, get them to articulate it and share it. And then after everyone shares, we just go to the Lord in prayer. You know, there's something that may have, you know, that leaps out as, you know, their siblings are sharing their struggles or, you know, their, their triumphs. And so we, we pray for one another, you know, as a family. And then, of course, the next day, Christmas. And then, you know, we open up all the other presents and have a great Christmas brunch. And it's it, it really, it's been special through the years. So many fond memories. And I got to tell you, that Christmas Eve service, it, for me, it's like, it, I, the only way I can describe it is like you know, with the candlelight and reading the scriptures and having communion. It's a very sacred time, brothers and sisters. And God has been so good through the years to show up with his holy presence during that time. And so when we praise and worship him, I know it's left indelible marks upon my children and grandchildren. So I want to conclude just a, with a couple of more things about uh, the new year. And again, these are just some things that has developed uh, in me as a man, as a husband, a father, a grandfather, as a minister of the gospel of the kingdom. But one of the godly traditions that I did employ through the years was once it turned you know, into the new year, uh, most of the time I went away to be alone with the Lord. And I purposely set that time apart to fast, to pray, and to, to diligently seek the Lord for the new year. And my desire, brothers and sisters, was just to give God the first fruits of the new year. And so it just, as that developed, I, I began to see just how important, how crucial it was to sort of consecrate the new year to the Lord and, and, and set that time apart. And, you know, the purpose was to, you know, seek him, to obtain the mind of Christ, you know, uh, receive wisdom, you know, from him that comes from above and, 
and of course seek him in such a way that I would get God's word and his Holy Spirit, uh, you know, to empower me uh, in my desire, you know, to love, serve, and obey God uh, concerning the new year. So yeah, you know, obtaining the mind of the Lord, getting wisdom, uh, praying about the new year, and here I am, Lord, uh, I, I, I've come to present myself before you, you know, I exist to love, serve, and obey you, if there's anything you need to download, is there anything that you need me to do, you know, as a husband, as a, as a father, as a grandfather, as a minister of the gospel of the kingdom, here I am, Lord, you know, deal with me, you know, reveal to me, you know, through your word and through your spirit, what you would have me to do that would please you in this new year. And so, you know, I developed that through the years and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not able to get to it every year, but when I can, uh, I, I try to have that alone time with the Lord to let him know that you, you are my priority. You are number one in my life. Yes, even more than my wife, you know, more than my children, whom I love so much. But you, God, you have the number one place in my life. And so that's, that's kind of why. Um, I would set apart the new year and present that as the first fruits to the Lord. Then, of course, on the ministerial end of things, uh, it wasn't a coincidence when I was the assistant director of Operation Rescue, Operation Save America, and eventually became the national director, that we would purposely schedule our leadership meeting pretty much at the beginning of each, excuse me, <coughs> each new year. And some of it was, you know, I just wanted to duplicate on a personal level and uh, sort of uh, carry it forth on the ministerial level. And so, you know, when we got together, uh, you know, through OSA at the leadership meeting, this was a, a time to remind all the leaders and laborers that we were ministering with, you know, who we are in Christ and, you know, what we're called to do and to be, you know, as we seek, you know, to serve the Lord and advance his kingdom in the earth. And so we always try to make it a great time of fellowship you know, as we sought the Lord together and, and it was there, you know, we discussed our, our future plans, you know, what did the new year hold for us as a ministry? And, and of course, when we got together, you know, the goal was to cast, you know, vision and mi mission and purpose for the coming year. And always, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, we would make our plans but we would trust God ultimately to direct our steps. And so, you know, there it is, brothers and sisters. You know, we, we spent a little time discussing the concepts of old and new and as it pertains to the new year. Um, like I said, the previous podcast, we discussed the glorious incarnation and we discussed what it meant for us as individuals and as uh you know, the future of the world kind of deal. But I also wanted to share with you what it means to us as, as a family, as a ministry. You know, how does the Thomas Nation approach these things? You know, what are the traditions we've developed through the years when it came to, you know, faith and family and fellowship and friends and, you know, celebrating Christmas and saying goodbye to one year and welcoming a new year? How do we approach those things? And I just wanted to share that with you, brothers and sisters, uh, perhaps that you've heard something and you go, wow, you know, we might want to, you know, implement that or apply that in our life, you know, when it comes to our family. I, I will tell you this, brothers and sisters, you know that our family has been through a lot that most families probably would not have survived intact. Um, 
but through God's grace, he, he's carried us through. And I truly believe a lot of these things that we incorporated through the years gave us the strong foundation that when the earthquakes came in our life, uh, we didn't fall apart. We didn't collapse. Yeah, we, we struggled, no doubt. We're human. But at the end of the day, though our faith was put on trial by fire, you know, our families come forth as gold. And, uh, and you know, God's word is true. And we appreciate that, brothers and sisters. So anyway, I want to wish you uh, a most blessed new year uh, in the Lord's kingdom. And I want to conclude with this passage of scripture. I want to talk about old and new. Here it is, brothers and sisters. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. Now that's some good stuff right there. Amen. That's God's redemption. That's God's salvation. All the old things all the sins, all the mistakes, all the failures passed away. A brand new creature, a brand new creation in Christ. A new Lord, a new way to live. Wow, he does make all things new. Praise his holy name. Well, till next time, brothers and sisters, you keep pressing on to that high call and prize. In Jesus' name, amen.